It's episode 36 of Honestly Unbalanced and we chat to the world-renowned yoga instructor Matt Giordano aka the Yogi Matt. He is uh, an international teacher. He's taught in the US, Europe and Asia. I've met him many times on the road as it were, both of us teaching around Europe. He's a teacher's teacher offering 200 hour and 500 hour trainings. Uh, Matt has, has had a long-term devoted practice and now combined with that experience mixes his understanding of anatomy, biomechanics, uh, deeper philosophical and meditative practice for the mind. Uh, Matt is really a teacher's teacher. Uh, he's got the really unique talent of taking complex, challenging concepts and simplifying them without taking away any potency. Uh, and this approach provides the revelatory aha moments that lots of his students actually rave about. Uh, you will enjoy this convo, I'm sure, especially if you are a yoga teacher. Oh, and as always, a little shout out to Lifeform. I've used Lifeform yoga mats forever. Many people have tried to copy them and they've made mats that look kind of similar but are in no way of the same substance. Uh, Lifeform mats, I believe at least, really are the best in the world and have been for a long time. So if you want to up your practice, code the Hustlers, T H E H U S L E R S, the Hustlers, all caps, gets you 10% off. And Lifeform actually do a lot of work for charity as well and donate and give a lot back. So have a little check out their website to see what they do. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Honestly unbalanced. Like you are one of the only people I know that seems to live in the middle of nowhere on a farm, but yet teaching around Europe, I'm constantly like meeting you. And yet you <laughs> seem to live on a farm in the middle of nowhere in America. <laughs> I can't quite <laughs> understand how you manage it, how you manage that that life that you stay so present yet manage to find so much distance well that's yeah cool well um it all started with the first scenario of running around manhattan teaching a billion classes a billion privates a day from um my day used to start at 4 a.m um, and then it, i would get home at 12 so i'd wake up what? at 4 and get home at 12. um there was a few days where I, I didn't have to wake up that early which, that saved me. But a lot of the times I was like, when I was teaching in Manhattan, I would get most of my sleep in between classes and privates on a couch somewhere in the middle of the park, wherever I could, I would just like sleep. So it started off with the New York city grind as I call it. And, um, I will say that there were two teachers that I was just practicing with. One was Jordan Mala, um, who's, uh, was an Anusara teacher and, um, the other guys, Raghunath Kapo, who you might know. Mm. Um, and these two teachers, uh, you know, I was just kind of casually going to their classes. One of them, um, I was in a class and he announced like, I'm moving away from uh, Manhattan. I'm, I'm going to live on a farm. And I was like, I remember thinking that's crazy. Like, how are you going to make money? What do you like? Why would you move? from Manhattan as a yoga teacher. I just didn't understand it. Um, and then I'm at like a party one night, um, an Equinox party where I used to work, at, which is a chain of gyms. And I'm speaking to my friend Jordan Mala, who's also a yoga teacher. And he's like, I just bought a farm um, <laughs> in upstate New York and I'm moving away. I was like, what are you talking about? Why is everyone <laughs> buying a farm and moving away <laughs> as a yoga teacher? Um, you know, so these two ideas I think planted in my head um, early on in my career as a yoga teacher. 
And I didn't think anything of them. I, you know, I thought they were kind of strange at first. And then over time, I think that seed sort of just grew in my head as possibly something that could happen. Um, and I'll, I can explain how that sort of transpired. Um, you know, while I was doing the New York City grind, teaching all day long, every day for years, I um, eventually became a Lululemon ambassador. Um, and through that, I believe it was, I got suggested to Wanderlust Festival as a, a teacher who could teach male uh, yoga classes. So they they called it Yoga for Dudes. Mm. And um, that in combination with, I don't know if you guys know, but I used to do acro yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I was an acro yoga performer, an acro yoga teacher. Um, I traveled a, a bit around the world doing performances because we got hooked up with this company called, well, you know, Intel, Penny and Processors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So th- that company hired us for the launch of a, um, a, a computer called the Lenovo Yoga. And that, computer did like a full backbend and turn into a tablet and everything ah, no, i remember that i i did an audition <laughs> to be in their ad campaign did you as a model. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah this is like what <laughs> this is maybe six years ago would, would that be about when oh it was God, launched amazing. what did you have yeah, to do yeah, did, yeah. did you have to do all these weird things then yeah it was acro yoga actually and i remember <laughs> it was acro and i've never done acro yoga and i was googling whilst in the waiting room like what the hell this is and how on earth to get into it <laughs> what did you do oh then in my, the audition that's amazing I'll mess it up clearly because i didn't get it okay but you were, you were traveling around doing this coming on <laughs> uh yeah so like basically we were involved in the, the launch of that product and um my acro yoga partner and i at the time were kind of travel around doing that and um we got sort of recognized as uh the performers in the acroyoga world, we had a few viral videos on YouTube that um, that just kind of got us a little bit of recognition. It, it was totally, by the way, mistakes. Like we weren't like, let's create a, a viral video. Some, some videographer was like, hey, I want to do a video of you guys. He saw us doing a performance at like Lululemon, you know, on the street. You know, just like he was like, you know, I don't know. Lululemon used to do a grassroots promotion like that. You know, mm. you just do yoga on the street and people would be like, what is this? You know, and come in and buy some shorts. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so we would do that. And he saw us and like a year after he saw us, he finally tracked us down and was like, let's do a video. We went in to shoot like the lighting of that video and just to, he wanted to kind of get angles and such. And he put together a uh, just like a sample of what he wanted to do and he's like i'm gonna put it on youtube um so you can share it with your friends but we'll do the real video next week and we're like okay cool and this was just like us like messing around practicing so we can get angle angles and overnight it it, like had ten thousand views and we were like and he's like i think we're just gonna stick with this one and we're like like, (laughs) okay cool and um so that's how uh that kind of um started our like traveling with that because people started asking us we got hired to do we got on uh good morning america which is like a you know uh for those of you and not in america that's just a tv show that uh, a talk show yeah you know like one of those um and so we got some exposure through that and all the while i was really you know i knew acroyoga was more of just something i was doing for fun but it was sort of getting me in places so when wanderlust asked me to do yoga for dudes they also asked like you know, can you do some acro yoga performances? And, 
And that was, I kept using Acro Yoga as a way in to different festivals because people wanted Acro Yoga. I mean, for example, the reason I taught in Europe was the first time was to teach Acro Yoga. And uh, with Young Ho Kim, and he was like, you know, wanted me to keep teaching Acro Yoga. And I kept saying like, yeah, I'll do it. But can I also teach like a hip opening yoga <laughs> and like a hands? Like, so I was always pigeonholed as like this Acro Yoga yeah. guy internationally speaking, or at least throughout the US and then eventually internationally. But my passion was teaching yoga. So I, I sort of would get in the door with Acro Yoga and then I would say like, oh, and uh, can I teach yoga? Like, and I would ask, I would, I would say like, this is kind of like really what I do. Um, so anyway, I, I used that for, for Wanderlust. They, they had me teach Acro Yoga classes. I'm kind of messing up the story a little bit because the first year I went to Wanderlust as a um, as an invited performer. And then the next year they had me teach two classes at one location at, and those were Acro Yoga classes. Then the third year, because I was a Lululemon ambassador uh, and they needed Lululemon ambassadors to teach for some contract that they had going, um, someone suggested me as a male yoga teacher and they're like, oh yeah, he does Acro Yoga. We'll have him do both. You know, So that's how it, it transpired. And that is what's leading me to how I came to a farm. So before you carry I, on, can you just give us an idea yeah. what, what year are we on now? Um, okay, so my first time um, performing and, and being at Wanderlust, I believe was either 2009 or 2010. Okay, so a long time ago. Because that dynamic is quite different now. Like Lululemon Ambassadors, you know, it's obviously still there. But even five years ago, that was kind of a bigger thing for the individual. Because there were less of them right. and they were pushed more. Like now, like every other part, there's a, even in London, there's Lululemon shops at every corner. Each one has like seven ambassadors. But it was a bigger thing even seven Ten years, years ago, ago for any individual. Now, of course, there were still lots of people getting a lot out of it. But there's a lot of people that are, it's from a kind of smaller scale now. But when you were doing that, it was a really big thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a big deal to get that opportunity, like, because especially as uh, I would say when I was teaching and, and you know, I have a, uh, a specific style, I'm not necessarily like everybody's teacher, you know, like you either like me or you don't like me. So like in Manhattan, that was exaggerated. You either enjoyed going to my classes or you just really did not like I wasn't like the popular vinyasa teacher that everyone was like, yes, mm -hmm. these classes are awesome. It was either like, yeah, I go to Matt to learn this thing or like his classes bore, bore me and I like just want to move, you know, like just everything kind of, you know, very um, polarizing in a way when I was in Manhattan for sure. So I wasn't the popular teacher when I was teaching there. I was like the niche teacher. Um, and so I didn't have the big crowds of people coming into my classes. Um, I, I, and I taught at all the awkward times, you know, like when, when everyone's like prime time yoga class, I'm like two in the afternoon, you know, like that <laughs> yeah. so, uh, for, for like the random, you know, mothers that are waiting for their kids to come home from school. So I had like all the awkward stuff. So to get a, a, the Lululemon ambassadorship, even though I wasn't really the popular teacher was quite a big deal for me at that time. Um, and also of course, like to be asked to teach at one of the, what was the biggest festival in the United States um, at that time, while I really wasn't all that popular of a teacher <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be able to like sort of make my way in. The, these were all like interesting um, scenarios that 
most teachers like me wouldn't really get like you know it's more given to the popular teacher who's yeah. got a big student base and whatnot and and i was getting the weird niche things and i still was like yoga for dudes and um and acro yoga classes and i just sort of weaseled my way through to offer eventually what i really wanted to um and that got me on the full tour of wanderlust in i think 2012 it started um which is when my wife my current wife and i met um in that time frame and my wife she well at the time girlfriend at the time she was a, a professional dancer in a company called momix who was based out of washington connecticut which is 10 minutes around the corner um so she was rehearsing up here regularly and so in between like the wanderlust tours i'd come up and like visit her and then I'd go home to Manhattan and teach yoga. Um, and I, when I come up here, I felt so like calm and relaxed. I was like, this place is amazing. It's beautiful. And I, and I felt that way when I was on the Wanderlust tour, but then I'd go back to Manhattan and the loud noises mm. were like in the, you know, the cars and the people. And it's just like, <laughs> it, it felt so uh, the opposite of the life I wanted to live. And so, um, over the course of time, after like a, a year or two of being on the Wanderlust tour and eventually starting to be, I was like, you know, in the beginning I was asked to teach workshops at like studios in California and whatever. And I was very um, reluctant to do so because I didn't think anyone would show up. I was like, I'm going to fly all the way out to California, like spend all this money to on a flight and nobody's going to be there. Like, why would I go teach a workshop? So I turned down a lot of those opportunities at first. Um, even though I was getting them, I just like felt like, no, who's going to be there, you know? Mm. So it's going to be a waste of my money, waste of my time. Um, but eventually, like, I started branching out in a small way, like just outside of New York City, I would do a workshop or, you know, like in a surrounding state like New Jersey or Long Island or uh, Connecticut. Um, and that sort of eventually bubbled outwards. And when the workshop circuit started for me, um, that's when I was like, I can't keep doing this, like traveling and then coming home and then working the grind. And I was burning out so badly. Um, so I said to Rebecca, I was like, you know, a few years into that, I was like, why don't we in the summertime get like a lake house, mm. just rent it. And I'll only do the Wanderlust tour and any other touring around that. And when I come home, I'm not going to teach in Manhattan for the summer. I'll just take off. And, uh, and we'll just have like a nice relaxing summer in between. And we'll get this lake house near where she, uh, where her um, dance company was, Momix. So that started the search. And long story short, a lake house turned into, like renting a lake house turned into buying a farmhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and it was going to just be on the weekends, like, and and then that turned out to be like, I took like I trimmed back my yoga schedule to be two to three days a week in Manhattan. Eventually it was like one day a week. We still had an apartment there. Um, and at some point I just said, I remember being on the phone with my father. I was like, you know what? I know it's really risky, but I think I'm just going to try to give up teaching regularly and see if I can give this workshop business like a shot. And uh, I was like, I, I took the leap, I took the jump. It was certainly like a cut in income for at least a year or so, where it was like, I, you know, now I'm a homeowner, 
and I don't have a regular job. It was a big risk, I would say, and maybe not the most smart way to go about it. But um, it, in the end, it worked out and it led me to being able to live full time in the country as well as having like this traveling workshop business where I could uh, teach workshops, trainings, mm. festivals and such around the world. I guess you're so lucky now to a degree that you are a few, uh, quite a few years down the line and you're not relying on the international travel. Like you've built enough of a following now that you're able to put all of your stuff online. Like imagine if you made this conversion, what, like two years ago and then suddenly lockdown hit. Yeah. So I will say this is an interesting thing. I'll, I'll give you two things because I know you just said uh, Dylan Warner was on this at one yeah. point, right? Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, I assume you know who Patrick Beach is? Yeah. Nope. Okay. No, no, you haven't met him. No, Holly hasn't met him. So like in 2000, I want to say it was like 13 or so. Um, I went to a Patrick Beach workshop who was some guy who I had no idea who he was. I He came to my class on a Friday afternoon and he like sort of looked like a movie star kind of guy. So I, I saw him in the locker room. I was like, so you're new to the studio? And he's like, oh, I'm teaching here this weekend. And I was like, oh, cool. Do you want me to like give you a little shout out? I'll, I'll happily promote your workshop. And he's like, oh, I think it's sold out. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> In that time frame, you were only selling at a workshop, which that room is 65 people. You're only selling that out if you were Sean Korn, Shiva Ray, mm. you know, John Friend or, or some big name that people knew, you know? And I was like, so who are you? Anyway, I, I weaseled my way into the workshop because I, it was sold out. I couldn't go, but I like poked my head in the door on like a Saturday afternoon and his manager um knew who i was and she like saw me and she was like hey come in and i was like okay i don't know who you are and she's like here i got a spot for you i was like cool um and i like see everybody talking and i like i like lean over and and ask somebody i was like how do you know this guy and they're like oh instagram i was like what is instagram <laughs> <laughs> i had no idea what instagram was um so later that day i go I go home and I asked my roommate if he knew what Instagram was. And he's like, oh, yeah, let me show you. Um, and he was like kind of a uh, social media marketing guy. So he showed me like, here, if you follow someone. Hang on, hang on. He was, your, he, was your, he was your roommate? Yeah. And, yeah okay. Yeah. And so you clearly had never had asked him like anything about his work in his whole. So he was a social media professional and you lived with him and you didn't know what Instagram was. That is impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he talked about Twitter a lot, like, cause that was like the thing at the time. And, and he had like built this big Twitter thing. You know, he was, he was the kind of person that was really, he knew the whole business and social media side of things, but he didn't really have a, like a, um, a passion or anything yeah, it's like just work. So, so yeah so he just like had this like you know a few hundred thousand followers on twitter and all he did was like repost stuff you know he was like that kind of person mm -hmm. um but he's like yeah let's get you on let's get you on instagram and he's like here's how it works you know you follow somebody they'll probably follow you back so i was like sitting there like following people you know and they're following me back and um and then i find patrick beach and I like start trying to copy his photos, you know, like, okay, this guy's got a lot of followers. 
how's he doing it? You know, like, I mean, just he's taken up this much of the screen and they're like, you know, light in the background. So I just sort of copied what he was doing. And, um, and then I found Dylan Warner who had like 300 followers at the time, but loved his photos and like his creativity and, um, like started following him. And eventually like over the year, he just kind of like blew up, which made sense. Like he had just like a really aesthetically pleasing uh, Mm. profile there. And, um, and so anyway, I was like copying the two of them for a while, just trying to like, you know, hang in there. Um, I was fortunate to start off with a decent sized following because I had a band previous to that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Before yoga, I was stealing Jane. Is it stealing? Stealing stealing Jane. Jane, Correct. So I like right off the bat, I like got about, I don't know, 5,000 followers just from that. So, so I started off pretty pretty well off and then pretty soon into that I was I was on like TV so that helped to um you know for the acro yoga thing um so that you know started my Instagram stuff however I never really monetized things with online so much and this comes to your sort of statement my brother when I first moved to the country he goes why don't you, why don't you like start a YouTube channel and a, and a newsletter list? And I like wanted to vomit. I was like a YouTube channel and a <laughs> newsletter. Newsletter sounds so boring. Like who's, who's reading a newsletter these days? Um, but he's, my brother's a financial advisor. He, he knows, he knows like, he knows structure of business really well. And he's going to all these, um, you know, conferences about, uh, constant contact and and all the different you know brands and and how to utilize them and how to monetize a, a business and he's just like pouring it on me and I was really annoyed so anyway I started a YouTube channel this was like seven years eight years ago and I started putting up these videos and they're like one you know like Adam we'd be at a festival and I would then like try to go to my room and like video myself creating a tutorial and I was really hard for me to like, I, I, I had a set in mind. I was like, I'm going to do one, a, one a month. And it wound up being like one every six months. Cause I was like, so dragging my feet to make these. Mm. Um, but what it did for me over the course of time was I learned the structure of online businesses and I learned how to get people from YouTube onto my newsletter. And then from my newsletter at the time, to I had a I started creating online videos like I did a handstand training on my website back in 2014 I think it was and at that time like you know I didn't know the technical side of a website I just gave people like a password to a page and like if you bought it you got that password and you can like kind of go on that page and whatever it sort of worked out um but the videos were hilarious you know like they're not like great quality you could still buy it now the content's still good the the um but yeah i play guitar in it which is hilarious too like a little <laughs> guitar background anyway long story short there um to sum it up uh, over the course of the last seven years i had been building this online business and had wanted to transition to being to having more income, more of my financial like uh, business to be online rather than having to travel around the world teaching because I was knew I was burning out from airplanes and hotels and not being home, you know. So I um, 
was starting to build that, build that, build that. I was last year, I was beginning to release another product. I had a couple of workshops available on my website that you can purchase. And I had a lot of like blogs with those YouTube videos that were starting to like gain momentum. And I rebuilt my website like a year and a half ago. And so when the pandemic hit, I had like a full fledged website, membership based website with online courses already set up. So it was an easy transition for me to just like, oh, now I have the one thing I didn't have forever. And that was time. Like mm. I, my entire tour was canceled. I wasn't getting on airplanes. And I was like, well, what do I do with this? So I started creating online, you know, bigger online courses and, and so on. So like that positioned me I, the last six, seven years of dragging my feet, trying to like make internet videos and trying to make my website run, like positioned me in the right space to transition. Have you always been a super hard worker? Is that just your in your nature or is it is it what you do now that drives you? Have you just found your passion and it's that that makes you work so hard or have you always been like this? Um, I've always been obsessive um, in, in many ways. Like if there's something that I appreciate or enjoy, I like do it full force and it's hard for me not to. So like to a fault, you know, sometimes it's, it's my strength and sometimes it's my drawback. Like I, it's very easy to burn out um, for me, but it's also easy to like once the hard thing for me. And I think for most human beings is getting started. But once I get started on something, if I love it, it's like, you know, go for yeah. it. Um, so doing the online business part was hard because it, it, it wasn't like a full fledged, I wasn't going full force with it. So like trying to do something regularly and over the course of the last six years was hard for me. Like it would have been better to just like, you know, just go for it. But anyway, um, yeah, when I was young, I it started with hockey. I played ice hockey and roller hockey and I was like obsessed with it, traveled around, uh, the state playing. Um, and then when I found music, well, then first I found art, and uh, visual art and then I went to music and like obsessed about those things and went crazy and I guess I could say that my parents are you know Italian uh, mm. descent so like it's it's instilled in our Italian American heritage that you work hard whatever you do you work hard at it like that's what you do um to a fault again you know it's like hard work is what makes money and is like, there an, you know, is there an <laughs> ingrained guilt it's a catholic guilt you have to. You, you, it's an ingrained. I think it's a Catholic thing. I think you get it in from like in Ireland. My background is kind of Irish, and to some degree, it's it's you have to work hard. If you're not working yeah. hard, you're not serving your family. You need to be you, know, you need to be putting bread on the table to the nth degree. Like just keep going, keep pushing, keep working. Yeah. Otherwise, you yes. are a bad human and so, being. And sometimes <laughs> that serves, right? And sometimes it's really uh, it's what you need. And then other times it's like, yeah. oh my god, just like chill out for a second. So, as an extension to that question, has this journey to success as it were has that come at any beyond financial cost like what are the costs of there being for you on this journey to now you know you got a lovely what from the outside it seems like a you know, lovely quality of life lovely farm animals lovely wife nice space amazing website great online content great reputation like what costs have there been on that journey uh yeah <laughs> health time uh energy uh, um i mean I'll say like in the beginning, uh, when I was doing the New York city grind, I was, I was very, I was really broke. So I was eating, um, from a fruit stand most, most days, like just, I would get a, a head of broccoli and I would, I had this plastic bag that I would put it in the plastic bag 
And then I would go, um, shh, don't tell anyone, I would steal some olive oil and salt and pepper from like the local salad uh, <laughs> restaurant, whatever. I'd pour it in and shake it up and I'd like eat that. Oh. Um, and I, I'd eat like just an apple. So I was very like, um, my body was like shriveling. Oh my um, gosh. I, was so, <laughs> I was so thin, like, and so malnourished um, from that experience. Cause I was broke, but I, I really had this vision uh, and passion for teaching yoga. And I wasn't making money on it yet, but I had, I really wanted to, to do it. So I did whatever it took. And that, you know, that was like a lot of that was um, really about sacrificing um, certain aspects of comfort, you know, and that food was one of them. And sleep was definitely another one. Like I, I missed a couple of years of sleep there because I was sleeping on couches. I'm sleeping on, I mean, especially I didn't have an apartment in the beginning. I, um, or flat as you guys call it, um, I was it like bouncing around to friends couches i literally slept in the park a couple of times oh um and like you know i just wherever i could close my eyes i remember one time i was i woke up in the middle of the park like where's my wallet like freaking out you know like okay i have it um so there was some weird times there that were definitely sacrifices and uh mostly i would say energetically and health wise um i i uh, like in more modern times when, when we met, um, I'd say uh, like having to live in an airport, you know, half my life and mm. on an airplane and, you know, taking those overnight flights and um, eating airplane food and, you know, all that stuff and, and sacrificing a lot of, a lot of my time um, just traveling, you know, not even being in the location. It's like one thing, once you get there and it's like, Hey, nice to see everybody. Like, this is so exciting. Let's teach yoga. Let's do this thing. It was so fun. Um, but the, you know, there, everything in life exists in, you know, in opposite. Yeah. So like as, as enjoyable as that was, and as exciting it was, the other side was really hard. How, how do you convert, like when you teach trainings, you teach 200 hour trainings, you know, you teach new teachers, and of course, I guess part of getting people on trainings is, you know, saying, you know, to, te to be a yoga teacher is a good thing, but also, I guess, to learn about yoga in itself and a deeper level is a good thing. And I find a lot of new teachers, well, not a lot, but some new teachers I've met or teacher trainees have got this idea in their head that, you know, they teach one class a day and that's a full-time yoga teacher. That's all you need. <laughs> so, like, how do you find that balance between when you teach new teachers, conveying to them that actually it is really hard work if you want to make a full-time living out of it. Like, do you try and convey that to them? And do you think they get that? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a good question. I, I remember in my, the 200 hour training that I took the, um, the Iyengar teacher that came in, he was like, someone asked about, you know, financial or whatever, making money. And he was like, uh, if you're doing this for, you know, to make money, like uh, I would just quit while you're ahead, yeah. like get, get a, get a job that you're going to make, make money with, you know? He's like, you can make money teaching yoga and you will, but it's going to be a long time before you do, yeah, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and that's true. I mean, I got, maybe not for everybody necessarily, like there's different methods of going about it. Like I'm sure Patrick Beach, like right off the bat, he was teaching yoga. Like when I went to his class, uh, no offense, Patrick, if you're listening, but it, it was, I, I mean, he felt like he just graduated his 200 hour and he did, you know, it was very soon after he had just become a yoga teacher and he's got a sold out workshop and he's teaching. I mean, it's a hard, that's a hard life to live right there because you're like, you know, on a pedestal, mm. yeah. uh, you know, everyone expects you to be a great teacher because you got all these people here and you're just starting out, you know, learning how to teach. Um, 
So like there, there's a certain grind period that I think is important for yeah. every yoga teacher. Yeah. And that is to really harness your skill set. Like mm. if this was, if this was any other, you know, trade or whatever, you would spend years harnessing your skill set before you got paid for it, you mm. know? Um, so I think in, in a society where like people expect things to just sort of happen and, and come to us uh, because we're so used to the instantaneousness of, of like, you know, the internet world, mm. it's not something that just happens in, in my experience, obviously, in the way I've seen it, it's something that you would have to really harness your craft first, like to mm. be, to be the best yoga teacher you can be for you, like to, to harness your skill set, you know? Um, and then over time, then you can learn how to become a business person. You know, it's mm-hmm. a whole nother, like, how do you, how do you monetize a great product is completely different than how do you create a, a yeah. great product? Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's, it, you learn a lot of skills if you want to be an entrepreneur as a yoga teacher. Um, and it takes time. That's really, really good advice. It, and it's a, a funny thing at the moment that's happening is that, previously you know you would have to get into studios you know you'd have to get the people in the studio to believe in you you know you need some credentials you need people that know about yoga to vouch for you and to get in there in the first place but now of course everyone's teaching online and there isn't really a barrier anymore and i'm seeing like i saw someone yesterday who literally is qualified as a teacher last year teaching advanced teacher training modules and it's after a year yeah after a year well of course it's not accredited by any organization but they're teaching advanced training i wouldn't feel comfortable doing that even after years of teaching the the model has changed so much and now that if you have some reach that you can create via social media you know you can potentially be teaching 200 hour trainings Mm. within a year if you've managed to i don't think this is a good thing but if you manage to wangle your marketing a little bit and it's quite scary isn't it well, I guess some people might go about it the other way than I said, and that is like harness your business skills first yeah. and, then, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then become a good yoga teacher. I mean, I yeah. guess that, that's also a way of going about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm from the other perspective of trying to become the best, yeah. you know, best product. And I say product from a business, pr- obviously the best yoga teacher. Mm. And that is the, from a business perspective, mm. that is the product that you're selling. Um, sorry if that off puts anybody I'm, I'm not trying to diminish <laughs> myself or anybody else as, as a human being but just saying like that's what people are purchasing when they when they exchange money they're buying a product and that is you your personality what you have to offer what exactly you know the style the experience that you're going to be creating for people can we talk about how you first got into yoga how did it come into your life yeah um so as you know i was uh in a band i was i was a guitar player and i really i was asked okay this is fun i was asked to do the social media for the the band uh which at the time was myspace um so i began what was called a street team i don't know if you have that in the uk we have this in the u.s called street team basically um you gather um, if you're on a street team, you're basically a really big fan of the band and you get like stickers and stuff and you go around the streets and you paste those stickers everywhere and you promote the band. You try to get people to come to the shows like you're a promoter. But yeah, we, call them, we call them vandals here. <laughs> vandals. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Great. 
<laughs> so um, I was asked by my band members to create a street team and use social media. So I began with MySpace and connecting with like our a couple of our fans that we knew were like really into us and would support us. And um, so I created this team of 100 something um, street teamers and uh, we created competitions of, you know, like who could get the most people there would get you know, win a T-shirt or whatever it was. Um, and that became that kind of consumed my um my energy so instead of like focusing on playing music and whatever i was like entirely focused on that and i became that was like probably the first time i really became um burnt out i would say in my life where um i know like i didn't notice it yet but i i became irritable like angry annoyed very short with people and uh i was just becoming not a ni nice person and when you're in a band of people that you're just like constantly around stuck in traffic in a van very mm. tiny like that that comes out and so my attitude was really not the best and um my band members sat me down one day and they were like you need to change like we don't want to be around you anymore and wow. these are your best friends so so they're like they're like like whatever whatever is going on like it needs to stop otherwise we'll kick you out of the band and i was like um, I asked them each individually, like for their opinion, because like I wanted to see if this was just like a collective ego thing or if, like not that I knew what that was um, or if this was like, you know, a real thing. And when I got to my last friend, like, and I asked him and he said, yeah, he's like, I love you, but it's, you know, you got to make it, you got to make a change. Like you're not fun to be around. Um, so that was like soul crushing and really um, challenging for me at that time. And I wanted to run away and find new friends and find a new band. And I was driving in my car and I realized like, I kind of put the, 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 everything that they said and like something my ex-girlfriend said recently at that time together. And I was like, wait a second, it's not them. It's me. Like I'm the problem. You know, it's not, I was kind of trying to make it all like, it's their problem. They're the idiots. They're the, you know, they don't know what to talk about. And when I made that realization, I would say that's the first awakening I had in my life of like waking up to self-reflection, you know, mm. self-inquiry of being like, oh, wait, this is my problem, you know, like, and I have to deal with it. And so I made the choice to deal with it. And that began what I would say would be my yoga practice of self-inquiry, of, of reflecting upon my own thoughts, my own emotions, my behaviors, my reactivities. And I learned through that self-reflective practice uh, how to recognize when I was starting to get those emotional charges where I would lash out or I would get like snippy or get like, you know, aggressive with my friends. And I'd learned to ask myself what that was about and calm it down. And like, I, I began arguing in my head, the two sides of an opinion, you know, instead of trying to be right outwardly with people, I was trying to be right in here. And mm -hmm. so I'd like always present the opposite opinion in my head. Um, until I could see the benefits of both sides. And that right there was like kind of what changed my demeanor as a person, but it ultimately opened me up to another, um, I guess, type of awareness that which um, primed me and made me ready for meditation. So um, I, I was at a... Um, I was at a memorial for um, one of our producers and he was the kind of guy who always was barefoot. He was always vegetarian. He was um, like 
me- meditating a lot. He was just a strange character. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was me now, but then it was like, a, <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like a, a wackadoodle kind of person. So I was like, what? Um, he, so anyway, um, when he passed, I, there was a lot of people, we were, we were all barefoot there and there was a lot of people oming and they were doing like chanting on the stage. And I was like, this is so weird, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I remember catching myself judging the experience. I remember saying like, Hey, this is like, you really cared about this guy. You loved who he was and what he stood for, even though you didn't understand it. And these are all of his closest friends that are on stage, oming and chanting. Like, so maybe there's something to this, you know? And in that self-reflection, that's when my whole world opened up. Like, honestly, it was like a movie where suddenly the, all the colors turned into like high definition and like I could hear like a bird in the tree, like far away. I could hear someone shift their weight from their left foot to their right foot and like everything just amplified. And from that point on, I started uh, like a whole nother dimension in my mind opened up to what nature was like. It's like I suddenly came out of my head and into the world. And it was, Mm. and um, that got me curious about meditation I don't know why, but that's Were they kind serving of, mushrooms started... at that uh, at that event? <laughs> well, it's not mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> that's the exact yes. description of mushrooms. Welcome, have a mushroom. Yeah. It was totally like one of those Beatle movie experiences. <laughs> like that. Um, but it lasted for like two weeks where everything was like on high, high crazy energy like i just remember like i would see a bird and i thought it was like talking to me you know um, <laughs> what? someone and, slipped something in your drink that day uh maybe i don't know but i i i opened up something in in that day and and it mm. changed the way i lived and Amazing. that led me to a really interesting path uh of meditation without really knowing i guess that it was meditation or how to meditate and all that stuff and Um, one day I was, uh, I'll make this story slightly short rather than telling the whole thing, uh, essentially meditating, saying like, telling myself, like, I need to connect to people more. Like I'm lonely. I need, I need to like meet somebody new that, and I was sort of just like sitting on that for a while and staring out at the ocean, trying to like be content and you know, whatever I come back to that same location a few hours later at sunset and there's a person there that I've never seen before. And it's on a, you know, it's in a town where I grew up and you know, everybody it's one square mile, which I don't know what is kilometers. Sorry. Um, uh, anyway, we, <laughs> so we do miles I, in the UK. We do miles. Oh, you do miles there. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Cool. I didn't know. Um, so anyway, this person uh, I met, I was like, I, I drummed up the courage to say hello. And we started chatting and she was very interesting human being. Um, <laughs> I was like, found myself kind of nervous around her, but I didn't know why. Um, you know, anyway, long story, very short. She was like, hey, I think there's a book that you would like. It's called Wisdom of the Peaceful Warrior. Aww. And I was like, yeah, I was like, okay. And she's like, you should get it. <laughs> I was like, okay. okay. So, Is this a Dan Millman book? Yeah. he. Yeah, the way yeah. he does so the he, way of the, the way peaceful, peaceful warrior yeah. as well. Yeah, so he has the way of the peaceful warriors. Mm. Um, the that's the novel, right? The wisdom of the peaceful warriors, ah. like the yoga sutras. 
but it's but it's not the yoga sutras <laughs> it's oh. essentially like buddhist sutras it's the same thing but instead of storyline it's more of you've got your guidebook it's the right teacher. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that um, i'll have to read that yeah right in the beginning of that book it says if you're struggling with seated meditation try a moving meditation like tai chi um qigong or yoga and i was like oh my stepmom's a yoga teacher let me call her up so i called her up and i was like hey what's yoga <laughs> and she's like she's like well why don't you just come try it out and that way you know rather than explaining you can kind of get a feel for it and i was like okay when when can i come she's like well come by come by now and i'll write you my schedule of classes so she writes down her schedule i go pick it up i was like oh you're teaching tomorrow maybe i can come tomorrow at 4 p.m and she's like yeah sure i was like but i have to leave early because i have to go to the city and she's like yeah that's fine uh you're just going to take uh, what's called shavasana uh, a little early uh, at the 10 minute mark or whatever and then you can leave and i was like okay great so i walk into the studio and she's like all right so you'll know within three classes whether you're going to like this or not she's like okay cool uh, first warrior two, I was in love. I, there was, oh. there was no turning back at that first warrior two. I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> let's do this. You know, yeah. I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. To me. Oh my gosh. Um, and then I went to every single class thereafter and I couldn't get enough. Oh, I just got goosebumps. I can just imagine you just in your warrior two, like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did martial arts as a kid. I did mm. Taekwondo. And they required that we would hold postures for really long periods of time, oh, like Warrior yeah, Two. Similar. And so that it like hit me back to my childhood to something I loved. And it just resonated so strongly with me. I was like, this is something I love, you know. Yeah. And has that ever gone up and down over the years? Of course, you know, teaching it and teaching it and demoing it and you know, when you're teaching a training, it's just all you're speaking about for like nine hours in a row have you ever had years where the practice has gone slightly or it's turned you've fallen into out of love or you've fallen out out of love with certain poses yeah 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 good good question i love that question because when i was uh in that burnout period of manhattan when i was teaching all the time that's uh i literally was i hated yoga I, there was a time period where i remember looking at somebody in warrior one and thinking why do you even do this? Like, why? Are you, <laughs> like, you know, why are you doing it? Like, I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, why are you doing yoga? Like, you clearly don't care to be here. You don't want like to see their face. Like, you clearly aren't enjoying this. So, like, you know. And then, but it was just a reflection of me feeling like um, I just didn't love what I was teaching. I didn't mm. love. Um, I didn't love the practice anymore. I stopped sort of practicing. It. I had gotten injured a number of times, so I was kind of like resentful about it. Um, I didn't really have a teacher anymore that I like really was inspired by. Um, I remember sitting when, when everyone's in Shavasana, I was sitting thinking like, maybe I should go back to school and like, you know, get a degree and do something different. And then I remember realizing in that moment, I was like, I would have to start college all over again because where I left off, I wouldn't be able to just continue on. There was like part two of, courses that I would have to do part one again because I didn't remember I was a music major at the time so um, and then if I wanted to do something other than music I'd basically have to start from square one so I was like you got to figure this out dude mm. <laughs> yoga is the only thing you got so I did a different teacher training with um, where I found my my real meditation and spiritual teacher my my um, the person who really taught me like yoga 
as a as a real practice, not just a physical thing. Um, and she reinvigorated and relit the spark of why I, I loved yoga to begin with. You know, like I had kind of gone off on the physical tangent for a really long time because it was it was fun and something I needed for my, my body and, and it was something that attracted me, but I had lost sort of the heart of the, the reason why I really got into it. And then she brought me back to that and then showed me how to share that with others, you know, kind of go into it. Nice. Mm. Going forward now, we haven't got much more time left. We don't want to keep you for too yeah. long. So we're going to give them some quick fire questions. And they don't need to be okay. quick, but quick fire ish. <laughs> okay. Quickish. What is, and often this is a hard question for people to really think about, what's the worst bit of advice you've been given in the yoga oh, context man. or yoga career context? That's a great question. That's a really good question. I'm, I'm like wondering if I can even. Um, think of anything like that off the bat um <laughs> you're putting you on the spot here. i know it's a bit of, you, you could flip it to the best piece of advice if you really can't think <laughs> um uh, the, the i mean the best piece of advice was from my teacher to just essentially be more more courageous with what i was offering like instead of holding back and like trying to do what i thought people wanted just to share what the yoga practice really meant for me um, I'm trying to think if anybody offered me the opposite of that, cause that would mm-hmm. be, <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst advice that you could get is like, you know, don't be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm going to have to see if I can rummage on that. Come, 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 <laughs> come back to us on that one. Yeah. I love that question though, man. What okay, would, keep going. would you, is there any advice that you would give to someone who is just becoming a yoga teacher now? Hmm. Yeah. Um, like practice, (laughs) like get, get practice for your sake, like practice because you love it, practice because you enjoy it and go full force into that experience of what yoga means to you and what it does for you. And then simply share that, you know, rather than trying to, um, become a yoga teacher and identify and, and try to create like a, um, you know, a brand out of yourself, which everyone does accidentally. They don't realize it. They don't know it's called a brand or whatever, but they try to like sort of define their style and, and be unique and whatever. Just, just enjoy the practice and teach what you love. That's yeah, it. that's perfect. I love that. More importantly, what's your preferred method of making coffee? <laughs> nah, good. Best question out there. My preferred method is espresso with a little bit of steamed milk. In Italy, they call that a macchiato. Yeah. Mm. In Spain, they call that a cortado. Um, and I, so espresso all the way for me. I know, I know like there's a lot of probably pour over fans out there, which I enjoy too. I like a lot of different types of coffee, but when, I mean, on the daily, I'm doing a single shot of espresso with a little bit of steamed milk. I also roast my own coffee, so that's oh. also my preferred method. But yeah. how, how, how are we getting the espresso? What method? So I, I've got um, a machine. It's called, right now, I've got a Quick Mill Ventrano 2B, which is a really nice espresso machine. But I'm also getting a, a, a handmade 
um, machine by a guy named Salvatore. Salvatore. He lives out in California, but he's, yeah, he's from Italy. Uh, and he hand makes espresso machines. And I'm getting one of those old, old school spring lever machines where Amazing. you pull the thing down. Wow. Yeah. We're going to have to come yeah. and stay on your farm one day. Yeah. Get the you know espresso you're <laughs> and play with the goats. Oh, we need some animal loving in life. Last one, Matt. Yes, there Is there, are. can you leave us with, do you have a motto or a mantra or something like that that you live by or keep coming back to when you feel a little, little bit ungrounded? Mm. You know, the mantra that I, this is an interesting question. So, I mean, the, the mantra that I actually, the real mantra that I use is Om Namah Shivaya, because that's what I was actually taught um, yeah. by my teacher that grounded me and brought me back to uh, the passion and love for the yoga practice. But if I'm going to say something in, in English that other people <laughs> would understand, um, you know, I love the mantra from the movie peaceful warrior so same same book and that that is what time is it and that's the that's all you need is a question and the the question is what time is it and the answer uh, of course should be now Mm. um so whenever i'm not present not really like awake and sort of going off in that um unbalanced area of my life i just remind myself like what time is it and get back to the now and and what that means to me and remembering that i'm Mm. alive that my my heart is beating that my breath is flowing and that you know this this is an opportunity life is an opportunity and it's short and it's and and i need to take advantage of it Mm, perfect i need to read that book again i think i last read it at 12 13 years ago and if anyone if, if anyone listening is debating watching the film. Do not watch the film first. Like, read the definitely <laughs> do not read do the not. book. The film is kind of okay. I love the lead. Uh, the lead is an awesome. The lead old guy, Socrates. Yes, Socrates. Is yeah, no, the book is um, amazing. Nalty, Nick Nalty, Rick Nalty, Nick Nalty. Something like mm. that's his name. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't watch the movie until you've read the books or whatever. I, I, I'll say like at this point in time, it's very, it's, it's, it's really good stuff, but. I think if we read it now, it seems sim- too simple and yeah. easy. And, like, and like the alchemist, like, like the al- in this same yeah, way as the alchemist. Yeah, the alchemist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> quick final thing. Anything we're going to put all this in the show notes anyway, but Instagram, anything you want to let people know about what you're doing or website. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have an Instagram at the Yogi Matt. My name has two t's in it which everybody gets confused and also yogi is spelt y-o-g-i not mm. a yogi y-o-g-i-m-a-t-t the yogi mat um and so the yogi mat.com is my website it's also my youtube the yogi mat um my website has online classes live streaming we do i do immersion so i do like um packs of 12 so you sign up for the month um and you get a 12 pack of classes and you get them for life not only live stream but you can watch them at any time and then i have online 200 hour and 300 hour trainings and also training teacher training modules if you just want to do like sections like learn anatomy biomechanics and techniques um or if you want to learn uh say how to theme a yoga class and you want to go into the philosophy and meditation pranayama i have a module on that um so those trainings are on my website thank you so much much. it's been a pleasure so good to chat yeah, so good to chat with you both. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I'm balanced.